Well, today we're going to talk about surging in the storm, and uh, you know, it's it's something that uh, I'll probably speak on this this week and next week. But um, before we ever get to Genesis, I am going to get to the first chapter of Genesis. But I feel like these are things that the Lord's wanting me to speak on. But um, I just want to encourage you because um, as we walk through life and things don't go the way we think they should, our hope is still in Jesus. Amen. And for all of us, if we're really authentic and being true, uh, we can tell you, yeah, we have battles every day. We have struggles. And so it's important that we take those to the Lord and that we ask brothers and sisters in Christ to be praying with us and for us. Um, so important. And then we need accountability. Amen? Uh, there, we need accountability with one another to make sure that we're stepping out, walking the right track. And if you have questions, you know, find somebody that's mature in the Lord. Say, what, how do you feel about this? Um, get some of that wisdom that's there. It's so important that we, we learn to rely on one another. Um, 1 Peter 2, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to start with that this morning. And uh, it says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Somebody say Amen. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Look at your spouse and say, he's much better than you. Tell him that right now. You've been wanting to say something like that all morning. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I really believe that for you and I, we need to understand, not like Gollum, but we are precious in the sight of the Lord. Amen? We are precious. And uh, somebody turn to their neighbor and say, you're precious. Now turn to them and say it sarcastically, you know, precious. Yeah. But we're all going to face storms. We're going to face storms, and God wants you to understand that he's there. He is there in the storm. And I've walked through a lot of storms, and as I was getting ready for this message, there's a lot of new folks in the church, and a lot of folks have heard this, but I was just thinking about there's something about the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And sometimes you just need to be able, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Owen, share with some of these folks some of the stuff you've walked through. Well, I was born out of wedlock. My father denied that I was his. In the hospital, somehow, as a baby, you didn't get to stay with the baby back then in the hospital. Somehow, they said, I fell out of the baby bed and broke my collarbone. Now, that, that's not true. Somebody dropped me. That's the way I, I am the way I am. <laughs> so, anyway, finally, my dad married my mom, but I was a, a focus of his freedom being taken. And 
So because of that, by the time I got to kindergarten, I stuttered so bad because I lived in fear. Fear of doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, going to get hit. Gonna, and I, I had to, for, from the ages of five to seven, go to speech therapy. And then my brother did also. And my mom gave her life to the Lord when I was about a little, almost two years old, and started taking us to church. But she couldn't drive because my dad wouldn't allow her to drive. So um, we had to rely on people to pick us up. And thank God for Mary Bailey and different ones that, that loaded all of us up and took us. And finally, when we got about 9 or 10, um, uh, they got a van to pick us up and bring us to church because we had church Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. But my mom was so desperate for God to keep her sanity, she would take us to any door of a church that was open in the neighborhood or close that she could walk to. There were many times she pulled us in a wagon on um, Wednesday, or Wednesday evening and Sunday evening. There would be four of us in a wagon, and she'd pull us in that wagon to church and uh, to get us there. And the pastor wasn't really happy that we were in the church because we were more of a burden than we were a blessing because we had no money to give. My dad refused to give the church any money, would never allow my mom to do that. And so when it came to camps, any extracurricular activities, we didn't have the money. We were very poor. And so um, the church had to take care of us, and they chose to do that, and people in the church chose to help, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, and... Uh, and I remember my pastor seeing me my freshman year at Purdue. Uh, the, we were no longer at the church, but he saw me and he said, I never thought you would amount to anything. Very sarcastically. And I just said, well, how can I help you today? Because I was working at a store. But we go through that. And I grew up in a house where the police were called at least 11 times. And we were taken, the kids and divvied up to different family members because there had been such a battle with alcohol and fighting. And, and uh, my dad, uh, uh, I remember one time my mom ducked. He broke his, arm, his hand because he tried to punch her. And uh, uh, when the police came, he told them that my mom broke his hand. And, and I was like eight, and I said, no, no, officer. Uh, my mom didn't break his hand. She tried to duck. And he hit the corner of the wall. That's how his hand got broken and stuff. And, and so it was really kind of a hellish growing up, um, living in fear. My dad was the guy that would get us all in the car, and he would take us to the edge of a cliff. And, and he would say, I'm going to kill you all. I'm going to kill you all. Well, all four of us were in the back seat screaming, begging him to stop. Or he'd go 130 miles an hour and say, I'm going to flip this car. And, and so when you're just a kid and you're living in that kind of torture, um, and that kind of fear, uh, it, it's so hard. But I thank the Lord that I had a godly mom who would share with us every night, we're going to pray for your daddy's salvation, and this is what happens when you live for the devil, but someday your dad's going to stop drinking and he's going to give his life to Jesus. And it took 34 years, but he did. And those years from that point on, made up for all the stuff that we walked through. But I wanted you to understand it, it was something that affects, we all have an authentic testimony that affects who we are. 
And so in school, my dad told me if somebody, if I got in a fight with somebody, I better, I better hurt them or he was going to hurt me when I got home. And I had that fear of him, so I knew he would. And so I ended up putting um, five guys in the hospital, sent them to the emergency room because I knew what was going to happen to me if I didn't. And that's not the way you're supposed to live. And so that anger that I grew up with, trying to prove myself to a father, um, it really uh, was a constant storm, a constant storm. And so uh, what started the change in my dad was my little sister had scoliosis, and she went into the hospital to have the rod put in her back, and they lost her. And uh, they come out and told my parents that they had lost her, um, that she had died on the table. And what had happened was they actually filled her lungs up with blood, and they put the wrong type of blood in her. And God brought her back. She saw my mom in the chapel in the hospital just crying out. And she saw my dad just broken. And they brought her back. And that started a change in my dad's life. And he brought a flower to my little sister. And uh, he told my mom he was going to start making some changes. And that made that. So I, I tell you that. It's just so you understand that we all walk through stuff, but you can choose to get bitter or you can choose to get better. Come on now. It can be a stumbling block or it can be a stepping stone. And I love my dad, and he's in heaven rejoicing, and uh, my mom had actually lost a child, and, and my dad's with one of his kids up there rejoicing in heaven. And uh, it's funny because... My mom has been seeing um, uh, just little insights into heaven and, uh, and stuff. And so I just know that God's letting her know that God has everything under control. And so I have a, such a godly mom who has stood in the gap for us and made a difference. This is not a feel sorry for Owen because, man, I am thankful for what I walked through. Can I say that again? You need to be thankful for what you walk through because it's made you the person you are. Amen? Because God takes what the enemy meant for bad, and he develops character in you. And, and he grows you, and he strengthens you. And so I just remember thanking God when my dad gave his life to the Lord. What a blessing that was. And then he became like the biggest servant in the church. And he came all the time wanting to do stuff, he and my Uncle Tip. And these are guys that grew up in Tennessee that really didn't have a dad around. And because my grandpa worked up at the car plants for Packard up in Michigan, and so he was gone most of the time, so he left my grandma Mason with nine kids. So she was just trying to survive. My dad was seventh in that line. And so, you know, he really didn't have an example before him. So I get all that, and I understand why, but I also know that God comes in, and he makes a difference where you are. 
So some of you can keep blaming your parents, and you can keep blaming your siblings, and you can keep blaming those people earlier. But at some point, you've got to make it no longer a stumbling block, but a stepping stone to say, Jesus, what are you developing in me? So that I can reach out and help those same people that I walk. And so that's, that's important for us to understand and, and to do that. So I say that in love because I want you to get that. It's, it's all. So we're all going to face storms in life. With this world hurting, hurting people hurt people. Amen? I mean, you think about it right now with inflation and what's going on. They say that the average household is spending almost $7,000 more a year than they were. Now, that's a lot of money for a lot of folks. <clears throat> Excuse me. We find out that in America, one in six are on food stamps now. One in six. Housing has become almost unaffordable. And the interest rates are continuing to go up, and they probably will for a while. And what that tells you and I is there is less money for necessities. And we need to understand that. And then we hear roar, uh, rumors of wars and things that could happen and how dependent we are upon China, all this stuff. And we're like, oh, my goodness, it's not good. And then because we have the great harlot, which I, be- I call wokeism, I believe the harlot of Revelation 17 is wokeism. It is the new religion. And they're using ESG, the environment, the whole social thing, and along with the government, to control companies to get them to yield to their ungodly standards. <clears throat> Let me take a drink of water here. But... Uh, so they're using this great harlot to bring people down, to keep companies dependent, and then we see what's happening with this religion of wokeism. We're in a season of lawlessness, but there's nothing new under the sun. If we were living in the 60s right now, we would be saying the same thing because that's what happened in the 60s. The stuff we're seeing now has happened before. We need to learn from history, but we tend to make history go away. Our media is pushing this nonsense, telling us all you're hearing, all of our children, all of our high school students, middle school, elementary, college, We need to save the environment. We need to save the environment. We need to. Do you know that someday this earth is going to be destroyed? The Bible says. But our kids are being taught it's all about the environment. They have no idea that there's been tremendous storms in the past, tremendous droughts in the past. There's been tremendous flooding in the past, Noah. But there's been all kinds of crazy stuff that has gone on. There's nothing new under the sun, but they're believing because nobody's teaching them about history. I'm going to get to my message in a moment. They're telling them that we need to use more electricity. Oh, my gosh. Harnessing electricity 
is not only difficult, it's very expensive. Just ask Benjamin Franklin. He got shocked. And there's a lot of truth in that. And it's not as good as they say, but, and then they're saying, well, there's climate change, climate, everything's heating. Oh my gosh, we've had decades where things have gone up a little bit, decades where things have gone down, but now we're making it, because this is what the devil is going to use to bring about the one world government. He is going to use this whole climate thing, this ESG, this is how he's going to force nations and companies and people to convert to this so that he can, it's the only thing the world can all try to agree on and push the agenda. This is what's going on. And in the book of Job, chapter 2, verse 4, the verse says, skin for skin. What he's saying here is, man will do anything to save his own life. It means surrendering our liberties. It means to buy into climate change and the lies being promoted. And with that being pushed on our youth and indoctrinated, desensitizing and conditioning them in our education system. This is what they did in the 50s. They started promoting, the Rockefellers were good about this, they promoting that the woman should work outside the home, and their whole goal, as you listen to him, was so that we could control their children and educate them. I heard a statistic the other day. They did a uh, survey and on moms at home and all the stuff they do, and they compared it with jobs that are being done out there, and they said a stay-at-home mom, to do all that she does, her salary would be $162,000 a year. Oh, my goodness. Think about that. All the things that she tries to bring around. We are marginalizing truth and exploiting race, gender confusion, and climate change. Can I say that again? We are marginalizing truth, exploiting race, gender confusion, and climate change. It's so sad, but I really do believe the ESG environment thing, along with the government regulations to form the woke of religion, is is really what you find in Revelation 17. And then it says, once the ten kings are done with the harlot, they get rid of her. See, wokeism is going to do what it's going to do to get them to gain the power over the people everywhere. Then that harlot will be removed because then those ten kings have the power they want. Just think about that. In Germany, 95% of the people went along with Hitler. 65% did not agree with Hitler, but they still went along. Come on, listen to me, Americans. 65% did not agree with Hitler, but they went on along with him. Only 5% of the people in Germany stood up against what he was doing to the people in those concentration camps. I got up a, a thing I was watching the other day, and I believe Anna sent it to me, but Dr. Peter McCullough, 
a heart surgeon, the most published surgeon in the United States, unbelievable, stood against this whole COVID thing and said, this is not lining up with science. Be careful what they're doing. They ostracized this guy. They isolated. They took him off all social media, everything. But anyway, Dr. McCullough, these are two websites. You want to write these down. And, and I tell you this in love. Listen to me now. Don't get offended, but just listen to me. There are side effects from taking the vaccines. Okay? He tells you about them, but he tells you if you took the vaccines and you took the boosters, how to get rid of the side effects. Thank God for a man that's standing up that's saying that spike protein, you can get rid of that. And there's three things you can actually take that will help remove that out of your body. If you'll get on those websites, I don't have time to go into all that, but I wanted to give you that because I want to keep you educated because I don't, I do believe there is an agenda in the world to depopulate the world. And what we used to know as medicine and caring now has become all about the almighty dollar. Not for everybody, because there are some great people serving, some great doctors, and some great, but there, there's an agenda above them in administration. I mean, in Indiana, I believe it was either 85,000 or 185,000 for each person that they identified as a COVID death that hospital, those administrations would get that money from the government. That is paying people to play God. It's all about greed and money. I believe it was over 285000 per death in Iowa that they got paid. And now, Mail.com just came out with a thing that the CDC said that 99% of the people that died and were classified as COVID were not COVID deaths. Come on, folks, we need to wake up. Don't believe everything you're hearing. I don't care who it is on TV. We have to be careful. You can take steps to detoxify. Hello. And if you've had COVID recently, you can take some of this to use to get that, because that spike protein can stay in your body up to a year, year and a half. I'm just trying to help you understand how important it is. And I'm not going to go through and name it. You can research it yourself. I just think it's important that you have it. But we're getting all this negativity because we're seeing that you cannot trust our own government. I love America. I'm proud to be an American, but I do not approve of what this government's doing. When you see the CIA and the FBI and, and what they're doing and the covert stuff that's going on around the world and stuff because it's not lining up with some elite in the world, there's something wrong. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are to be praying, and I'm going to talk about what we can do. What do we do with all this negativity? Because their goal is to bring hopelessness by lawlessness to have you defenseless and to bow down to the God of this world. Let me say that again. 
Their goal is to bring hopelessness by lawlessness to have you defenseless to bow down to the God of this world. I like that. I created that. I thought that was really good. I want to say it again, but I'll let it go. Our fallen nature is drawn. Now listen to me. As the fallen nature of sin, we are drawn to negativity. Did you know that? And we tend to be negative and point out negativity on those around us, especially our family members. You getting this, Shaloy? Okay, this is really good. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus will continue to give us grace, hope, and salvation. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Our desire is to live in the grace of Jesus and understand that he is bigger than all the negativity that we're getting shoved down our throats. Amen? We have the solution for the deception. We can be redeemed. We can have peace. We can have comfort. We can have hope, love, joy. We can be blessed. We can be fruitful. And our homes can be saved because of Jesus. And we need to be preaching the truth, not hiding the truth, not not trying to change the truth. Our hope is in Jesus. So I thought we need a we need a new t-shirt. So so I come up with this new t-shirt. I should have had one made. There should be under do not adhere to fear. I feel like this needs to be a T-shirt we need to be wearing. Do not adhere to fear. Because I feel like that's what they're pushing on everybody, hopelessness and fear. Do not adhere to fear. Don't let fear get you because it's like glue, man. It'll just, fear leads to hate. Fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate. Fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate. Second Corinthians. 10, 4, and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on now. I know they're doing all this stuff, but that, our weapons are not in the flesh, okay? Yes, you should vote. Yes, you should get involved publicly and do the right things and stand for righteousness. But there's something more that we must do. It, it amazes me. I saw this in my daily devotions just this morning. I'm reading in Luke, and I'm in Luke 22. And as I'm reading there, all of a sudden, it just stands out to me. I think it's Luke 22, 40. But Jesus said to the disciples when he was in the garden, pray so that you won't fall to temptation. Pray so that you won't fall to temptation. Come on, church. If, if we learn to pray, we can be overcomers through Christ. But we've got to pray about these things and ask God to give us insight and wisdom. Okay, back to 2 Corinthians. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Come on now. God's bigger than the World Economic Forum. God's bigger than this government in America. God's bigger than your boss. Come on now. God's bigger than your parents. Come on now. God's bigger than your children. 
Divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Come on now. That's where we need to be going. What we need to be doing. It's amazing to me. I'm shocked about some of the stuff that's happening. We've got people leaving the biological self in exchange for self-constructed self. Can I say that again? We've got people leaving the biological self in exchange for self-constructed self. Biologically, I'm a man or a woman, but now I want to be what I want to be. And what that really is, the bottom line is, that is rebellion to the submission of the Word of God. We've entered a place of amorphous abstraction where we are taking and redefining definitions based on feelings. We've entered a place of amorphous abstraction where we are redefining definitions based on how we feel. That's not the way it works, folks. That's ignorance and nonsense. And yet we have media pushing all that stuff. You get to do and be what you want to be. No, you don't, little Johnny. Because what you want to do that you feel like what you do can affect me. Hello. And that's not the way it works. There are standards in God's word that we are to yield to. And when we try to bypass that, there are consequences. That's why many of them getting these changes are suicidal. When they start altering their bodies. In Ephesians 4.18, it says it's nothing more than pride. Pride. We've allowed, we're allowing the enemy to deconstruct God's design. Oh, my goodness. And now we've got people that don't know who they are where they belong, what they should be doing, because we have lost identity in Christ. And we've stopped using the standards of the Word of God. We cannot agree. Let me, let me back this up. This one's going to be published someplace. I am intolerant. I'm intolerant of sin. I'm intolerant of evil, and I'm intolerant of lies that are being pressed upon our young people. I am intolerant. I want the truth of God's word to be spoken, and if the church doesn't get out of its sin bathing and laying there, dipping their toes in the sin of the world, if the if Pulpits don't get up and start preaching the truth of God's word. We're going to hell in a handbasket in America faster than we could ever imagine. We're sin bathing. It's sad. We can't celebrate sin as believers. 
I am concerned for the future for my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, should the Lord tarry. I'm very concerned. If we think it's bad now, what's it going to be like, should the Lord tarry, in 40 years? What are they going to be facing? Quit pacifying your family members by saying, I don't want to stir anything up. Speak the truth in love. Take God's word and quote scripture to them because they they can argue with you, but they cannot argue with the word of God. Do it in love, but lay it out. This is what God's word says. He created them male and female. That's why you need to be going to Linda's, uh, her whole thing that she's going to be doing here uh, on identity and transgender because she's going to give you some marvelous tools. You can get her book, Linda Seiler, and, and, and use that. But anyway, I'm concerned about this. We're trying to raise up a woke America out of the slumber of sin. Come on now. That's what's going on. We need the truth. We need compassion. We need the love of Christ. Well, preacher, you sound so hard and callous. No, there's a righteous indignation that rises up. When I see what we're doing to young people and children who aren't even old enough to make any of those types of decisions, and then we're asking them what they want to be, come on, man. It's just, it's just sad. We are the adults. There's something with experience, amen? Now, I do believe, and I love you 70 to 80 years old, I'm approaching you in age, but when it comes to our government keeping 70 and 80 and 90-year-old people in the government, there's something wrong. We have some tremendous 50 and 60-year-olds that need to be serving We need to stop the machinery of keeping them in office so they can land all these extra perks. They go in normal. They come out multimillionaires. Okay, let's get to the message today. (laughs) Facebook will probably write that one off anyway. And YouTube, but uh, what has Jesus placed in your hand? What has Jesus, point number one, placed in your hand? They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and saying a blessing, Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of leftovers. Come on now. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Come on now. If Jesus shows up and he takes five loaves and two fish and he feeds probably 10,000 people and you're not thinking that he's not the son of God, there's something wrong. There's some of you, it still wouldn't have been enough. I'm talking about the food, okay. <laughs> they take up the extra. I hope, hopefully they gave the little boy some to take on home. 
But most likely the disciples put it in the boat with them because Jesus said, go to the other side of the shore. The Sea of Galilee there, you know, go because I'm going to dismiss the people and I'm going to go pray. What do you have in your hands? Some of you don't think you can take that new job on. Some of you don't think you can go ahead and, and do this or do that because I, I just am not qualified. I'm not sure I can do it. I want to tell you, it's the unqualified that Jesus qualifies. It's the unqualified that Jesus qualifies. If he can take simple fishermen and make them amazing speakers, witnesses, leaders of a church, and he can take those broken, old, outcast fishermen, although they were young, and he can take them. He takes the unqualified and he qualifies them. What has Jesus placed in your hand? We're talking about intercession twice a month, uh, second and fourth Mondays, you know, 6 o'clock. And, and you're like, well, I, I don't know what I can do. You can come and pray. You can come and pray on a Monday night. We're talking about women's class, and they're going to be working their way into the motivational gifts, which are awesome, and, and they're going to teach you the gifts, and then they're going to teach you how they're used in the spirit, but the really good part is they're going to show you your spiritual gift, your motivational gift, and how it's used in the flesh, where you can see what's going on. And then you've got Pastor Adam with the men doing networking, and he's teaching you not only about your gifts, but your passion, what you can do with your personality. As a man, as a woman who's married to a man in this church, your husband should be here on Wednesday night so he can find out his gifts, his personality, his passion, so that God can plug him in because you're the happiest when you're doing what God's gifted you to do. And they're irrevocable. I mean, when God gives it, he doesn't take them back. I don't know why you're not in these classes, because that's good stuff. That stuff will mess you up for a better thing in a better way. And men, if you could get your wife in a class to show her what she's like when she's in the flesh. I'm helping you, brothers. Don't hate on me, women. Get her in here so she can see the good part, but she can see the ugly part. So she doesn't go ugly early. Oh. I mean that by getting in the flesh. Come on now. I was just thinking that stuff runs through my mind, man. It just, that T-shirt. We don't want her to go ugly early. And I'm not talking about her, her outside. I'm talking about inside that comes out of the mouth. Okay, I'll leave it there. I'm getting in trouble. Move on. But listen, he tells them. He told his disciples. He made the disciples get in the boat. He made them get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, up to seven hours later, they were probably three miles into that journey. 
There were waves rocking them, winds rocking them. They were probably freaking out. But listen to me, when you're surging in the storm, when the storm's happening, and to surge means to rise up, when you're rising up in the storm, it means that somebody on your behalf, while you're in the midst of the storm, is praying for you. Jesus is on the mountainside. He's praying. He knows what's going on. He's there. And you see, they thought that Baal controlled the weather, and Baal was in charge of all the bad weather, and one part of Baal was like a serpent, so they were very superstitious, like, here we are in the boat, we're going to drown, this thing's going to, this this God of the sea is going to take us out, and here comes Jesus walking on the water, not in the water, he's saying to the disciples, I'm over Baal, you don't have to believe that stuff, I'm over the storms in your life, I'm walking on the water water. I'm telling you, I'm above whatever this earth can do, this government can do, people can do. I am in charge. What has Jesus placed in your hand? They just saw 10,000 people get fed and they're freaking out. And when they see Jesus, if you keep reading, they think he's a ghost. How's that for honoring the Messiah? And when, but here's what I love. Peter sees Jesus. Jesus tells them that it's him. And Peter says, this is why Jesus loved Peter. He said... Lord, if it be you, bid me to walk on the waves. We need some Peters getting out of the boat. We need some people to say, I can do that job. I can reach out and make that ministry happen. I can touch and make a difference in my family. I can be the man of God, the woman of God, the wife, the mother, the father. I can be the brother. I can be the sister. I can be the one to make a difference on the school board. I can be the one to make a difference and and get involved. I can step. I don't feel qualified, but that's Jesus out there. Jesus, if you want me to, you've been praying on my behalf. I want to step out of the boat. And he steps out of the boat. He's walking on the water. But then he started looking at Joe Biden. (laughs) Kamala Harris. And Mitch McConnell. And Donald Trump. And he thought, oh, no. We're going down. (laughs) And Jesus grabs him because he hollers out and he pulls him right back up. He said, oh, you have little faith. Now, you may think, well, man, he got reprimanded. No. Listen, the 11 in the boat got reprimanded. Because it says... From that point on, when you read it there, it says that they said, worshiping him, truly, 
truly, this is, it was the turning point for the disciples when they were in the storm. He had been praying for them, and it says in Scripture, he's going to the Father to intercede on behalf of us. Truly, this is the Son of God. Stand with me this morning. Adam's going to play a song. I'll finish this up next week. But I woke up this week, and this song, and listen to me. I know some of you got to go, but I need the rest of you to hang around here. Because hopefully they'll have the words of this song, Taylor, on the screen. But I just laid in bed. And the Lord said, Owen, do not look at your current circumstances. Whatever you feel you've been attacked with, hit with, or what's going on, I want you to look beyond that because I've got an open door of things I'm going to walk you in and do in and through you. And when Sunday comes, I want you to sing this song for the congregation. And if you're facing something as we're singing this song, I want you to come. Nobody's going to ask you, but you just need God to show you what's beyond the open door. Or maybe you're supposed to be stepping out of the boat to do what God's calling you to do. You're tired of the mess you've been in what it's done to your marriage, what it's done to your children, what it's done to your finances, the addiction, what, it doesn't matter what it is. I just know if you'll take a step this morning and you feel like, I know if you'll just watch these words on the screen and then realize, man, that is me, just come down and spend a few moments at this altar and say, Jesus, I'm going to step out. I'm tired of getting caught up in all the junk that's going on in America, around the world. I'm going to trust you to win souls, to be a disciple maker, and to speak the truth. Let's sing this as we do that. Thank you, Lord. Just pay attention to these words. Thank you, Lord. In the things familiar we find security resisting all the changes that days and years can bring when God decides to lead you through an open door inviting you to walk in rounds you've never walked Beyond the open door There's a new and fresh anointing Hear the Spirit calling You too You step out this morning You gotta walk on through the door for the Lord will go before you into a greater power. 
you've never known before beyond the open door this this next verse is really the key hear the spirit calling to wake the living dead to reach the huddled masses who cry out for living bread oh arise almighty oh, army take up the shield and sword for the father lifts the golden lamp just beyond the open door beyond the open door there's a new and fresh anointing hear the spirit calling you today's a day of change today's a day of stepping out You've got to walk on through the door, no matter what's going on. For the Lord will go before you into the greater power you've never known before. Oh, before, before, beyond the open door. Where he leads, I will follow. Where he leads, oh, I'm gonna follow. Oh, where he leads, I'm gonna follow. Into the greater power you've never known before. Oh, before now, into the greater power. Now, I'm going to ask some prayer words just to come up and lay hands on these that have stepped out. Would you just come and help me pray this morning? We're going to pray for them. I'm going to sing this one more time. The rest of you are free to go. But I'm telling you, it's time to step out of the boat. You've got Jesus interceding on your behalf. You've got the power to pray and ask God to make a difference. Why don't you step out and say, I don't care anymore. I want to be authentic. I want to be real. I want God to know in the midst of my mess, I'm still going to step out and let him use me. We'll be on the open door. There's a new and fresh anointing. Hear the Spirit calling. I need some more prayers. You to go. You gotta walk on through the door. For the Lord will go before you into the greater power you've ever known. Before, oh, before, before, beyond.